Good morning. Uh, thinking again to do a morning version of driving theology because the last time I did it, it seemed like it uh, was easier to find my thoughts in the morning with a fresh mind as opposed to in the evening after a long day of teaching. So, yeah, I thought I'd try my hand again at uh, the second AM version of driving theology. So, thank you, uh, those of you who. Uh, listen to this and support me in this endeavor, it really, um, of course it is for the listeners, but it is just as much for me, and I would encourage uh, other people to try their hand at this if you have any kind of long drives where you uh, are by yourself. Uh, What it does for me, uh, audio blogging in this way, it helps me to uh, check how I verbalize the thoughts that are in my head and then get some feedback on whether or not they're understandable. Uh, and sometimes that feedback may just be for myself re-listening to this. Um, but, you know, being a, a uh, believer in Japan who finds himself often in situations uh, telling people about Jesus, maybe even for the first time, uh, in any real way at least, uh, it's good for me to, to know that, uh, to know whether or not the thoughts that I have in my head are coming out the same way when verbalized. So, yeah, I would encourage all of you to, to, to try this method once you, uh, Know, get to the point where you're you're on the journey of, of learning and going deeper with with our Lord uh, Jesus that uh, you know for me it's it's about reading more and more of the word and reading more more and more books of people who uh, are on the same journey that I am or are ahead of me in that journey and learning from them and then verbalizing things that I've learned. Well, today I wanted to talk about uh, the Daishinsai, uh, which was the great, uh, I think they call it the great, great East, Eastern Japan earthquake, or anyway, I I can't remember what it's called in English exactly. Uh, We refer it as the the Daishinsai in Japanese, and that was the earthquake and tsunami that happened on March 11th, 2011 and changed many of our lives <laughs> uh, for good, so it seems. Um, I don't mean for good as far as uh, goodness, no good, but forever. I mean forever, for good, forever. Uh, and I think it's both, really. But the anniversary is coming up, the fifth year anniversary. Uh, today it is what, February, uh, let's see, 14th, was Sunday, 15th, 16th, 17th, I guess? Today's February 17th, 2016. Uh, so March 11th, in about a month, we'll come up on the fifth year anniversary. And disasters of this scale. Well, disasters of all kind. Anything, anytime bad things happen, happen to innocent people. 
we always have this question. Where is God? And why hasn't he done anything about this? And so today I want to talk a little bit about the problem of suffering in relation to uh, the earthquake and tsunami of 2011. And in, in preparation for a lesson and concert that I will be doing to commemorate to commemorate this time, so I just wanted to talk through some of the uh, some of the things that I am learning and hopefully internalizing about where God is when disaster strikes. Uh, <clears throat> so I just mentioned that I'm going to be doing a concert. I I started doing a concert series this year entitled Jesus. The Alpha and the Omega. I got together a program and, and performed that uh, in December for the first time last year. And the purpose was to put together a program that focuses on Jesus, that brings together different pieces of classical music. Uh, and then between the songs, uh, inserting lessons on Jesus and trying to tie the, the words and the music together with the person of Jesus Christ uh, through scripture and prayer as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to decide on how I would like to uh, adapt this program for the concert up in uh, Iwaki City that I will be doing at a church. Um, to commemorate, to remember uh, together the uh, tragedies of that day and the people lost. So where, where, where is Jesus? Where was Jesus on March 11th? Uh, I've, I've been reading these two books kind of side by side that have a at least a connecting point, uh, but they're from different perspectives, uh, and I've talked about them in previous blogs. One is called uh, A More Christ-Like God by Bradley Jerzak, uh, and then another one is called Unoffendable, and right now off the top of my head I'm forgetting the name of the author, sorry about that, uh, but it's called Unoffendable. And both of these books approach the topic of anger. A more Christ-like God uh, approaches the, uh, what he would say, the fallacious view of an angry God. And Unoffendable approaches uh, the, what he would say, fallacious view that there is any kind of righteous anger acceptable for humans. So it approaches this idea of anger from the perspective of the believer and from the perspective of God. And so in these books, I'm learning a lot about anger. And, and number one, that our view of God as an angry God is wrong. Uh, and this 
this comes from, and I've talked about this, I don't want to get in this too much because I want to get right to the point, but basically, uh, if you listen to a couple of the previous podcasts on anger, you'll kind of get where I'm coming from, and better yet, uh, pick up a copy of A More Christ-Like God and Unoffendable uh, to get a, a, a much better well, a much better view of that. Um, but basically, the idea is that we we know who God is, who the Father God is, because of Jesus. We, if we have met Jesus, if we know about Jesus, we have met God. And there is nothing more to the story. Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. And so all that we know about Jesus, we can say is true about God. Okay? Uh, now, you may or may not believe that, uh, but I, I do encourage you to, to look into that, at least, and, and f- of course, formulate your own opinion. Uh, let it suffice to say that I believe that. And so, from, from that premise, uh, I'm going to just talk a bit about where God is in disaster. Where is Jesus in disaster? The prevalent view is that Jesus is somehow in control of his creation. That's a prevalent view. We say, don't worry, God is in control. But if God is in control, and he allows bad things to happen, then doesn't that damage his reputation as a righteous God, as a good good God, a God who cares about people? Because if he could stop evil, and he doesn't, then how can he not be a bad God? Um, However, if he is a good God and he does care about people, but he doesn't stop bad things from happening, then then he can't be an all-powerful God. Okay? So the premise goes like this. Either he is all-powerful or he is all good, but he cannot be both. Because bad things happen to innocent people. Now, this on paper, it kind of of looks like it makes sense. And I would say if, if, if you were to impose that model on humans, I would say it does make sense. I would say if there's a, if there's, and the Bible backs this up, right? If you if you know to do something good, but you don't do it, it's sin. And so we say, okay, so God, God through his word, says that if, if we don't stop evil, then we sin. And yet he doesn't impose that on himself. Well, then one of our other premises must be wrong. So let's look at, and, and Bradley Jerzak really does a great job of laying this out. Uh, so I really recommend you to, to read his book. But... Let's look at the, the, the notion that we serve an all-powerful God. <clears throat> now, first of all, I want you to know that I do believe that. I believe that God is all-powerful. Uh, and we see this in the fact that he created the earth and that there is nothing that exists that does not owe its existence to God the Creator and Jesus Christ. So... 
Okay, let's let's say that's true. Where and in what way did God lose that power? Because somehow the same power that we see in all its glory and creation does not seem anymore to make its way in the same way into the world today. <clears throat> we see all kinds of problems with creation. And just as I'm driving here through the countryside of Japan, I see overgrown vines that are, you know, growing so out of control that they take over entire sections of road. And you see the same thing with bamboo. This combination of bamboo and I think it's called kudzu, which is a vine, uh, they're very invasive species. They, they're, they're not beautiful to see. Now, bamboo has its multiple uses, but if you've ever tried to have a yard that has a little bamboo, especially bamboo that sprawls, you know that it's, it's, it's just not helpful. It's almost impossible to get rid of. It's like a virus because the roots are very deep. Uh, and yeah, it's just not fun to, to try to control bamboo. Bamboo needs to be out of control. And so we know that, and that's just a, that's, that's a, a very small little thing. Think about viruses, uh, uh, the AIDS virus, for example, that have devastated millions or, you know, even the common cold. We can't seem to, to, to keep our thumb on top of that mess. And, and there are numerous other things that are wrong in the world where bad things are happening to seemingly innocent people, you know. Why, why must my daughter catch the flu? You know, what did she do to deserve that? Well, nothing, right? This is, this is the, the world that we have. This is the world that we uh, were given. But this is not the original intent for the world. And I think that's a good place to start is that uh, Adam and Eve lived in a, a complete, perfect rendering of the vision of God for the world. And that's the world that God made and said it was good. But then Adam and Eve sinned, and of course, uh, the world, as well as mankind, went off the rails in search of their own uh, will, doing what they want to do through selfishness. And we know that uh, by reading, I believe it's in Romans, that the world suffered the same curse. The world suffered a curse because of the decision of Adam and Eve to go at it on their own. And so this decision, <clears throat> God has consented to, which is a word that Jerzak uses often, he has consented to this decision by mankind to, you know, to do what they want in the world. And so the world has suffered ever since. Uh, so, where is God today? Well, we know that Jesus came on the cross. Jesus entered our world uh, through the incarnation as a child, as foretold by scripture. And we know that he suffered as any human would do. He suffered hunger and thirst and sickness. He, he suffered abuse. Uh, he suffered beatings. 
he suffered heartbreak, he suffered all kinds of loss, and finally, uh, he suffered death. So Jerzak would say, where is God in all this? Well, he never says he's going to, in this life, take away our suffering, but he does say that he suffers with us. He is suffering with us. And his message to us in our suffering is, you are not alone. I am with you. I am with you. I am here with you. So think about that. God, who did nothing wrong, who planted us in the best situation possible, who was betrayed by mankind, and yet his love for us runs so deep that he has resolved himself to co-suffer with us. And so as you suffer the loss of a loved one, as you suffer physical pain, mental pain, as you suffer heartache, as you suffer financial loss, the message of God is not, I'm in control. The message of Jesus is that I'm here with you. I am suffering bodily with you. I am within you. In the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I am in you. And I feel acutely everything that you feel. I am here with you. And he promises that our suffering just as his suffering will not be in vain. You see, the lesson here is that it isn't that God is, isn't all-powerful. It's that God, for our sake, in order to save us and fulfill his purposes in the world, has laid down his power and has entered into our situation, even to the point of bodily, he is within us. And he suffers everything we suffer. We are not suffering alone, ever. I think most of us would think, you know, if, if we truly believe that Jesus went through everything, that the Gospels say he went through on the cross, none of us would say that Jesus did not suffer. But I think most of us assume that Jesus' suffering is over. That he did that once, and now he's in heaven, you know, drinking Mai Tais and uh, eating grapes off the vine. I don't think we understand, I don't think we fully understand what it means that he suffered with us, and that he is suffering with us even now. Every pain you have, every fear you have, everything, he doesn't just know about it, he suffers it, he feels it, 
deep within himself. He is with us always, and he is in us always. And you know that suffering, that suffering is going to one day when Jesus restores all broken things, all broken hearts, all broken bodies, all broken relationships. When he restores everything, that suffering that you are feeling now, understood and it will be fixed that suffering will turn to joy crying will turn to laughter your guilt will turn to acceptance love your fear All the things that you are suffering now, because Jesus is suffering with them, will find restoration in the final day. And that's that's what our faith does. Our faith, our faith through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to endure until that day, to press on through the suffering. Because Jesus knows that for us to be saved, we have to know Him. And this is key. To know Jesus, we must and have to suffer. Because only in suffering can we understand what He went through and who He is. In suffering, you enter into Jesus. You touch his heart and understand him more deeply. And you know what? If people are telling you that because you believe in Jesus, because you belong to Jesus, that your suffering will be less, you turn around and you walk out that door. You don't look back. That is the lie of Satan. That is the lie of Satan. If you're told that if right now you, you are suffering financially, and that if you will just believe in Jesus, that he will fix your financial problems, turn around and run out the door. That's not what the apostles believed. That's not what they believed Jesus was teaching them. Oh, I think you'll find that Jesus' message to Peter is so much different. It is the opposite. In suffering, we come to know our Lord. through patient suffering. 
I was talking to uh, my good friend Pat yesterday about this, and we both had the notion that that's kind of scary. We feel like we haven't suffered enough yet. You know, that, you know, wow, something's probably coming. We haven't suffered enough. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I do know that I need to endure through the suffering that I'm going to receive. I'm not looking forward to it. But that suffering is a promise that we've been given. It's something that we've tried to avoid and we've come with all come up with all kinds of ways to avoid the suffering, all kinds of uh, theologies and, and philosophies, uh, methods to avoid suffering and pain. It seems like the world is all about that. Whatever they can do to avoid suffering, they'll do. You know, whether that's <laughs> something as superficial as suffering the, the loss of good looks and the amount of pain people will suffer to, to restore their youthful uh, looks or, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. The world is all about not suffering. How many different kinds of aspirin and pain medication do we have for the smallest pains? You know, we have entire industries that revolve around anesthesia. And that's just for physical suffering. What about mental suffering? All of the, all of the drugs out there, the psychotic, uh, psychotic drugs, is that the right word? Uh, that are for, for uh, psychological problems so that we don't feel mental pain. want to numb ourselves from the pain. But Jesus says, I am there in the pain. In the pain is where you'll find me. And I'm there with you. I am suffering everything you suffer. He has saw, signed on to suffer with us for the long haul. That's what he does. That's who he is. The cross was just the beginning cross was him entering into the suffering of man, and he hasn't left that. He is with us. Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. The whole point of, of the bread and the wine in communion is that Jesus enters into our body. Unless we partake of him, we cannot see God. But when we do partake of Jesus, He enters into our suffering. That's a way that He is with us. He is there suffering with us. So never, never again assume that you are suffering alone. Because at the very least, the creator of the universe, He's crying with you. He rejoices with you and He cries with you. He 
He feels relief with you, but he also feels pain with you. That's what he has signed up to do, to feel our pain with us. And yes, one day he will take away all of that pain, and that will be a wonderful and beautiful day. But unto that end, we must endure the pain by the power of Jesus living in us. He endured the pain, and now He, inside of us, will also endure the pain. And He will help us to be able to endure the pain. And He'll see it through to the end. He will not give up on us. So you ask, where is Jesus when the innocent are killed? I would say Jesus is the innocent who was killed. He is that guy. He is the innocent person who was killed. That's him. Where is Jesus? When a baby's aborted, he's there with the baby through the baby's suffering. And he's there with the mom through her mental suffering, through the pain that, the pain and the fear, the selfishness and whatever it is. He suffers that with her too. He suffers and feels the pains of the world. Jesus is our co-sufferer. Well, I'm almost uh, to my place of uh, business. And, you know, I think I'll just end with a little prayer. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you for this day and for... giving us the knowledge that you're going to be with us today, that you are going to be feeling and experiencing everything that we do with us. And we know that you also give us joy in every day. So help us to see that today. Help us to experience joy today. And help us to enter into the suffering of others. Help us to, to see the, the pain and suffering that other people feel to enter into that with them as you do with us. And in so doing, we proclaim you. We proclaim you until you come again. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for suffering with us. We thank you for your example on how to endure suffering. We pray that you will continue to bless us with faith. That we can endure to the end. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.